welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Thanks team as well. Thank you, Phil. Great. Just before we get into the word this afternoon, um, as we were worshipping there and singing about God's word, I felt prompted to issue an invitation. I'm going to give you a bit of an invitation at the end as well. But I just felt there was a, an open invitation, a moment where God could unlock something inside our hearts about his word. In a few minutes, we're going to share about being devoted to God's word and what that means. Because his word really does hold all the answers. It really does provide all that we need. And I felt that there was a, a prompting from God to say, invite them into a fresh encounter with my word. Invite them into a fresh encounter with my word. So here's what I make out of that. For some of us, it's been a long time since the word has been life to us. It's been a long time since there's been a depth of intimacy and richness as you read and listen to and dwell upon God's Word. For some of us, and this is no, in no way singling anybody out, if you feel this way, please know that you're not alone. In fact, I think we all go through seasons like this. The Word of God would tell us we do. Where God's Word is somewhat dry, maybe you open the Bible and it, it just doesn't have life, like you almost felt like singing those words was not true about your experience of God's Word. God, your Word, I hope your Word holds all the answers, Lord, but I'm not feeling that right now. I wonder if you're in that camp. I wonder if it's some time since the Word has brought you joy and delight. Anyone ever been confused reading the Bible? Who's ever, who's ever read and go, I have no idea what that's about? Yeah, I'm sure. Come on, if you're honest, we all have that. Regularly, repeatedly. That's okay. That's an invitation into growth. That's an invitation into discovering something of the richness of God. And I just felt there's this moment. And right now, before we get into preaching God's Word, we're not going to be long in the Word today. I just felt there's a moment where if that's you, if the Word is dry, or not as rich and refreshing as you'd like it to be, or perhaps know that it could be or should be in your life, then I want to pray that God will just birth something new in you. Not, not, not something intellectual, not something that will require at this point in the service some kind of um, actual action from us. That, that's coming later in the Word, later in the message. But right now, if it's dry, and you just need God to light a spark of life so that when you open the pages of your Bible, I don't open pages anymore. I just open it on my computer or whatever. But, you know, figuratively speaking, if you open the figurative IT pages, if you don't have a paper Bible in front of you if, you, if you open that up with this expectation that, wow, this is going to speak to me. I'm excited about the opportunity to read or listen to God's Word. If you want that, why don't you stand right where you are right now? If you're not, if you haven't got that and you want that, I'm just going to pray.
for you. If you stand, if that's you. And I'm going to pray that God will just illuminate something fresh inside of you in this moment. Lord, you are the author of your word. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for helping us to live right, to do right, to avoid the things that are wrong. Your scripture is life to us. We discover your son in your scripture. And in this moment, Holy Spirit, in this sacred, sacred moment, would you come and birth that fresh excitement about what could be. Tomorrow, some of you will just open up your Bible. Some of you, you might not have even opened it for weeks. But tomorrow, you're just going to be hungry to get into it. God, give them that hunger and thirst for your Word in this moment. That there would be a new sense of passion to discover you in the pages of your book. Settle upon their hearts right now. Every precious person that is responding to this call. I declare over you that this year, this year something is changing. This year as we make a decision, as you make a decision in a few moments time, something is different. It won't be like it's always been. This year, God's Word is going to bring life to you. This year, it's going to be new uh, levels of, of desire for intimacy with God that is going to come out of your Word. You will discover things as you read His Word about Him. It will not be just words on a page. It will be life to your souls. Lord, birth that in every precious person that is responding in faith right now. I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue to pray for you for that this this week, this year even. I'm very passionate and I feel one of the primary calls that God has on my life is to help people to discover His Word and let it be a source of life to them, to be able to apply it to your life in such a way that it brings life to your souls. And so with that in mind, we're going to get into God's Word. Is that okay? We're going to get straight in there. So if you have a Bible with you, you might like to start rather than just being passive and having it on screen. It will be on screen, but maybe you want to open up your Bible as well and uh, start to uh, just make a decision and go, I'm going to open up my Bible right now. And uh, you might just want to take some, some simple notes. We're just going to do a very, very simple devotion for the purpose of, of calling us into a new relationship with His Word as we get into full swing. Uh, with 2023. So we're going to read uh, nine verses out of the book of Joshua. It's found in the Old Testament. It's the sixth book of the Bible. Joshua, yes, sixth book of the Bible. Um, so probably about a quarter of the way in or just before a quarter of the way in, you'll find the book of Joshua. We're going to read the first nine verses of that book. Now, before I even get into the book of Joshua, I want to issue a bit of a caveat and say jo the book of Joshua is a heavy book. Uh, it has some pretty confronting stuff. And you'll find this throughout the Bible. You'll find some things that confront us, and they should. There'll be some, some stories that you, no matter how much you try to sanitise them, you can't. And they will confront us at times. Uh, I've, I've 
been saying recently that in some ways the Bible is in what we would call trauma-informed in the sense that it, suddenly something can confront you which can be very painful. And I want to uh, encourage you when that happens this year as we read more of the Bible together, allow it to confront you because you will find life. We want to, As your pastor, I want to help you to find life, even in the stuff that doesn't make sense, even in the stuff that may seem confronting or challenging. I believe that all Scripture is God-breathed and you will find something in there. Part of that is learning to read its, read its, read God's Word through its cultural lens, through its historical lens, understanding that uh, it's, a, it's a narrative on human behaviour. And in the middle of that, God still works. The overarching thing about God's Word is that He is working in and through His people, even though we and they and us still are broken and still make mistakes and still fall short and still get angry and still fall short of God's plan for our life. And even though we mess up, God is faithful and He continues to work out His plan in and through us. And so we'll see that a lot this year. So we're going to read these first nine verses, starting with Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people to the the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, You will be on land that I have given to you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How'd you be if God spoke to you and gave you a promise like that? It's a pretty encouraging promise. Moses has just died. He had led the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea, had led them in the desert, had given them the tabernacle, had given him uh, the law. The Lord had given him the the law, the the covenant relationship that God would have with His people had come through Moses. And the time had come for the Israelites to cross the Jordan River and take the promised land and see the establishment of all that God had for them. And Moses had died and it was time for a new generation to come about. And Joshua was that man. Joshua had been Moses' assistant, Moses' aide. He had, he had uh, been there. He was one of only two men that were alive at the time of the Exodus 40 years before that were still alive on that day. Just he and a, a man called Caleb were the only ones because they'd been faithful to God. Everyone else had doubted and troubled and whinged and complained and they'd all had their life and, and died out in the desert. And it was a new generation of people. Only Mo, Joshua and Caleb 
Testament were there that had seen those miracles in uh, the Red Sea and so on. And God speaks to Joshua and He says, now it's time for you to lead people into the next uh, into the next season. He says, Moses is dead. The previous generation, Josh, that's done away with. That's gone. It's a new day. And I felt as I was saying this, for some of us, we need to hear that. Last year, the COVID years, they're behind us. I'm saying that in faith. I have no idea, but you know what I'm saying? The, the, the last three years, whatever the future looks like, we know that the last years are gone. Moses is dead. We can't keep dwelling back there. It's a new day. It's a new year. It's a new season for what God is going to do. And there's always, this is the thing about God. He's always doing new things. Behold, I will do a new thing. Will, it not, will you not be aware of it? It'll spring up. God is always doing new things. His character is always the same, but the way He does things is always changing. It's the opposite of us humans. Our character is always changing and we keep doing things the way we've always done them. It's the complete opposite. God's always doing new things, but His character and His Word is true. As I promised Moses, those promises that I gave Moses, they're still for you, Josh. And the Lord would say to us today, no matter what promises from the past, just because it's last year, friends, those promises aren't dead. The dream never dies. God's plan over you. Some of you have got plans and desires and visions for your life and things that have been prophesied over you 10, 15 years ago. And you're thinking, is it dead? God would say to us today, no, it's a new day. The promises still prevail. The promises come into the future. The promises do not die. The dream is never d- dies. Sometimes dreamers die, but the dream doesn't die. The vision doesn't die. Whatever has gone, whatever you felt like is missed, it's time to move into a new season. Carry the promises with you. God has a land for you to possess. God has a promise for you in 2023. Whatever that looks like, whatever things God has put on your heart, it's a new day. The time has come for you to lead people, He says to Joshua. There's always something that we as God's people lead. Parents, it's time for you to lead your family into a new season. It's time for you to lead your employees into a new season, those that are in positions of management. There's always new things that God will call us as His people to lead. It's time for our church to lead the people in this community into a new season of relationship with Him, to bring people to Jesus. We, us together can do that. It's a new day. The time has come for you to lead these people across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. I want to tell you something about the Jordan River. The Jordan River is just an actual river that splits the nation of modern, well, splits between modern day Israel and modern day Jordan, straight down the middle pretty much. But in the Bible, the Jordan River, oftentimes, even today, it's oftentimes a very big swollen river. It's less so these days because the the Jews, the, the nation of Israel have irrigated so much, they pull so much water out. But back in Bible times, it would swell its banks during flood time and it presented a barrier And so when you're reading the Bible and the Jordan River will often appear, the authors want you to think about barriers. It was the most visible barrier that they knew of. You want to know what a barrier is? Oh, it's that river that splits us down the middle. It's hard to cross. And so the Jordan River in Scripture represents barriers between where we are and where we want to be. It's why John the Baptist took his people there to, to, took people there to get them baptised there because it was this way of saying, I'm leaving the past behind, I'm crossing through this barrier and I'm moving into something new. The Jordan River is always a barrier. There are always Jordan Rivers in your life. It'll be your time. There'll be, oh, I haven't got time for this. That's a barrier. You'll find barriers. Life is full of barriers. 
And being a Christian does not exempt us from that. There's always going to be bar- there's barriers in relationships. Pastor Edwina and Jill and I were talking this week, and we're talking. She was telling us about some stats around what it means to be a well differentiated person. And and uh, just in a nutshell, she said that um, uh, even the most differentiated of us are about fifty percent differentiated. So what I mean is that basically means that half the conversations I have with you, there's a barrier between us because I don't fully understand. I'm broken, and you're broken, and so I have a conversation with you. There's a barrier. There's always Jordan rivers. Those of you who are married would understand that. There's always Jordan River barriers, things that you have to cross and ford. Life is like that. And God's calling us to go through those barriers. He will lead us into a new day. What are your barriers? And are you up for it? Because God is going to baptise you through those barriers and bring you into a new season. It's time to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promised it to Moses. I'm promising it to you. Wherever you go, Josh, wherever you put your feet, that's land I have given you. And then he gives this expansive description of the land. You can look at it on a map, but basically it's a very big land. It talks about north and south and east and west. Friends, God hasn't got a small place for you. He hasn't got a limited place for you. God has big plans for your life. He has big plans. He wants to bring you into an expansive place. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. I lead them in through the narrow gate and out into expansive pastures. God's got good plans for our lives. He wants to lead you to a good place, an expansive place. And He promises that He will be with us. Three times in this passage, He says to Josh, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. It's going to take courage to cross barriers, to ford the river, to step into the new thing God has for you. It took them courage to cross over, to step up and step out. They had to make some decisions. It wasn't like one minute they were on one side and they wake up the next morning and somehow supernaturally all the tents and everything else is just translated. Well, we found ourselves in the promised land and all all the enemies scattered away and this is easy. This is how it works. Blessing of God. I just have to set up shop. It's not like that. Life's not like that. Life has barriers and we have to fight battles in order to see God work in and through us. But He promises that when we fight those battles, He will be with us in those battles. And that's what happened with with Joshua and the Israelites. They did take this promised land. And I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about God's charge, specifically the conditions of the promise, if you like. Because God has just told Josh, there's land for you on the other side. I'm going to be with you. It's time for you to take it. But it's not, a, it's not an automatic. There's some things that Josh has to do in order to see that come to pass. Friends, God has some plans for your life. When a prophet stands up and declares something over your life or you, you've read something or heard something and you've felt inside you, yes, that resonates with my spirit, something God's saying to me, doesn't mean that it's an automatic God's promises are there, but there are conditions that He puts upon them. He requires something of us to see those things come to pass. And in this case, which is what I want to talk about for these next couple of minutes, it's about God's Word. It's about the things that Moses had taught Josh. God says to Joshua, Hey, Josh, if you want to take the promised land, you need to be very careful to make sure that you've learned from the things that Moses has taught you. You need to be teachable. You need to keep your heart open to learn from the experiences of your forebears. 
Friends, we all need to stay open. The moment we think we know, we shut down the purpose of God. We're all on a journey of learning. We must stay that way. So God says to Moses, uh, so to Joshua, I want you to take on board everything that Moses has said. And then he says this, verse 8, if you want to pop that on screen, this is a really key verse there. It says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. You want everything that I've promised you? There's a condition. Be a man, Joshua, who studies God's Word. Be a man who meditates on God's Word. Be a man who, in, who obeys God's Word. And he's not just talking to Joshua. This is for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, All Scripture is there and written down as examples for us. So today, we're Joshua. Is there a female version of Joshua? There isn't really, is there? Can't think of a female version of the name. Joshine? Josie? Okay, the Joshua's and the Josie's, that'll do. Where God, you are a Joshua or a Josie today. God is speaking to you and He's saying to you, do you want the future? It's time, I'm calling you to step into the next thing God has for you. And the invitation is there. Study and, and, and the commandment is there. Study my Word. Young people, study His Word. Oh, it's not cool. Forget about whether it's cool or not. Make the Word of God cool. It is cool. The Word of God is actually really cool. For those young fellas up the back, it's actually full of blood and guts and gore and stuff like that too, which makes it pretty cool for you guys as well. The, the, the Word of God is cool. It is life. It is exciting. It is a great story. And that's why I was praying about it, because I believe that it's going to come to life in a way that it hasn't for some of you. Mary up the back, a young person who's studying into your next year of study this year, are you? You already started. So there's a, there's a young woman of God who is passionate about God's Word, passionate about seeing God grow in her life and growing in God. Well done, Mary. We want more like you. We want a generation of people, all ages, who say, yes, I'm in this. I want to get into God's Word. Friends, the invitation to you. In fact, I, I would. it's not my command, it's God's command. He would say to us, study the book of instruction continually. Get into it. Oh, it's hard. I'm going to help you with that. But study it continually. Meditate on it. Psalm 1 talks about meditating. And meditation is about, it, it's like cow, cows chewing over the grass through their multiple stomachs, chewing it up, spitting it up, eating it again. That's what meditating on God's Word means. Chewing it over and over and over until it's palatable, till it becomes part of you. In fact, Joshua 1, Psalm 1, and there's another spot. I can't remember where it is in the Bible. There are actually chapters that have been inserted later by the authors for the purpose of tying it together. Joshua ties together the Torah, the first five books, with, um, with the, 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 the historical scroll, the next bit. So the, then we get into the book of Psalms, and Psalm 1 and 2 have been so deliberately placed there by later authors. They were probably sung, but they put them there intentionally because it has the same principle. It's about those who study and meditate on God's Word are, are like those who are, tre are planted by the riverbank, and they will bear fruit in season. God's plan is that the Word would be the thing that would tie you and establish you in God. And so I want to encourage you to be a people who study God's Word continually, meditate on it, because He says, if that's how you're going to prosper and succeed, instead, in fact, He says, that's the only way 
that you'll prosper and succeed. Are you prospering? Are you succeeding? Do you feel like life is, is um, you, you, it's, it's one step forward, two steps back? Maybe, just maybe part of it is that you're not meditating and studying God's Word. So I'm unashamedly calling you to that today. Not because I want you to do it because it makes me feel good. I actually do believe God's Word is the key to life for you. I believe it is the thing that will help you meditate and succeed. So what does it look like to study God's Word? Historically in Australia, in the Western Church, we are at historical all-time lows of biblical literacy. Not that I'm calling you all illiterate, but across the board in our society, uh, Christians, these are you know, people who study church history and church, uh, church uh, sociology, they're telling us that the levels of biblical literacy have never been so low, which is ironic when we've all got access to a Bible on our phone right in front of us. How is it that we've got more access to the Bible in the West than we've ever had, and yet we're not reading it? We're not listening. Heck, you can listen to it. You don't have to read it. I'm not a reader. I'm a listener. And yet our literacy levels are at an all-time low. I wonder if there's a correlation between some of the challenges we have and the fact that our literacy levels are low. So our part of our mission here this year is to help elevate those levels of literacy in you. And if I can do my part as a pastor here to help you to elevate that and make the, the Word of God exciting to you and get you all on the same page with it, then I'll feel like I've achieved something because I know that it will be life to you. If you're relying on a Sunday message, 25 minutes on a Sunday to prop you up, it will not do it. But if I can, just like our dear Mari, who, who wanted to help and equip people to do life for themselves, to start businesses for themselves. If I, as a pastor, can equip you to get into the Word and learn it for yourself and apply it yourself, my job's done. Not to mention my job, our job would be a whole lot easier because you'll do, you'll do it. I've heard Pastor Phil say, I want to equip Christians in such a way that they need less miracles. That's for a man of God who believes in miracles. If we can equip you, in God's Word, you won't need as many miracles because it works for you. The Word will work in you if you work the Word. And so that's, that's my desire. So how, how can we do that? Well, part of the reason, and we'll talk a lot more about this as time goes on, but part of the reason that the Bible is challenging is it's often misunderstood. Especially some of us have been taught that everything in the Bible is purely literal. And so what happens is you come up against some science or you come up against some other perspectives that are different or some historians who say, oh, that, that, that could have happened. Or you really believe that, you know, Jonah got eaten by that fish thing, whale? How can you believe that? And what it does is it, it causes a lot of Christians to become fundamentalist. We hold this line. Heaven forbid that we might consider that that story might be a fable because if it is, I'm going to throw the whole Bible out. I want to help you to understand that I... Whether you believe it's literal or not does not affect the power of God's Word. I can hold to the fact that Jonah is a fable and still maintain the integrity of what God is saying to me through the Word. So that might become, some of you might be ready to call me a heretic just because I said that. That's just the least of some of the things I could say. I believe in the integrity of God's Word, but it does not have to be 100% literal historical fact, all of it, for it to maintain that integrity. The problem with that is it becomes, when we start to, to read the Bible as a whole lot of literal stuff all the time, we, fall into, we can fall into this trap of it's just a whole lot of rules. It's a whole lot of do's or don'ts. We miss something really important, and that is the spirit behind God's Word. 
Who likes the good story? Who likes a good, whether it's a movie story or a reading a story? Can you enjoy a story and still understand that there's morality and, and things being taught to you behind that story, even if it's a fictional story? Well, if you can do that with that, why can you not do that with God's Word? Here's how I view God's Word. God's Word, the Bible, is the story of God's interaction with His people, with human beings from the dawn of time right throughout until the present day and into the future. God's plan to relate to His people, to have a relationship with His people, and that His people would represent Him to the earth and, and represent the earth before Him. It's a story. And it's, it's, the thing about it is it is rooted in historical fact. Unlike many of the other the writings um, of other religions, there's no history whatsoever. It was just some crazy dude's dream. Now, there's some crazy dude's dreams in this, but there's also a lot of actual history recorded, people's names and places. And our faith is rooted in the fact that the, this, the, the resurrection, the death, the life, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus is not just a fable. It's an historical fact that happened. That, that's a fundamental that takes place. And there is life in that. But I want to encourage you to, to read God's Word, knowing that, it's been, that as you read it, it's the story of God's dealings with His people. And sometimes that's hard to read because you look at a man of God like David and he says it's a man after God's own heart. And I remember Pastor Ken Chan saying years ago, you know, we hold David up on this pedestal because he was a man after God's own heart. But if he wasn't happy with you, he'd probably knock you off and take your wife. I mean, he's a pretty ruthless dude. You've got to put him in his historical context. He had a heart for God, but he lived as a man, a, fable, a, a feeble man within an historical context and culture. That doesn't dismiss everything about King David. We can learn a lot for him, but we have to recognise there are some things that dude did that's not cool. I mean, he was a murderer, for goodness sake. But we can still learn and put it in its context. And it's the story God tells me is God was working even with messed up David. And if God can work in and through messed up David, God can work in and through messed up Rowan. Jill's not messed up, so it doesn't matter for her. But me, Rowan's messed up. God can work. So I want you to be a, encourage you to be a person who studies the law, studies God's Word. It's not case law. A lot of the confusion comes when we start to treat it like do's and don'ts or yes and no's. And even the laws of the, the Old Testament and all the laws, in fact, the very laws that Joshua was being told here to obey, which was the Mosaic law that Moses had given them. We read those laws, or some of us don't because we give up because it's all about infectious skin diseases and bodily fluids um, and what to do with them. But we read those as case law. So we have, the problem is we have the word law and we think case law, like a lawyer who has a whole sh sh um, shelf full of books of do's and don'ts. And Jews have, his, people have been doing that throughout history. The, case, the law of Moses is not supposed to be case law because there's always exceptions. There's a spirit behind that law. In fact, the, the, the Hebrew word that is translated law is Torah, T-O-R-A-H. And it doesn't really mean law in the term we mean. It's actually a better translation is instruction or teaching. So when God says, you know, a specific law, like what to do if you've got boils on your bum or something like that, you know, you go, what do I do with that? And it tells you what to do. There's a spirit, there's a teaching behind that. There's a, there's a spirit behind those laws that God wants you to imply, apply in your life. And if you can apply it in the boil, you can apply it in some other area of your life. God is wanting to instruct us. 
And so when we come to the Bible, we say, God, I want to be instructed by this. Even the stuff that doesn't make sense to me, it can instruct me. When I read historical narrative about David and Bathsheba, I'm picking on Dave today, aren't I? David and Bathsheba, it's historical narrative, but it can instruct me. You start reading the history of the patriarchs, the great Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, you realise that's one messed up family right there. Mega messed up. But we can learn from that. We can learn a lot about human behaviour. We can learn a lot about what to do and what not to do and why not to do it and what happens if we do it this way. That, if you, if you, I actually think if you will approach the Word of God with that mentality, it's going to come to life for you. If you'll start to say, I'm expecting God's Word to instruct me in my life. Not just about how I go to heaven when I die, but how can it help me today to live out my faith? How can it help me to be a better citizen, a better husband, a better parent, a better teacher, a better student, a better employee, a better employer? How can it help me with that? God's Word is Torah. It's instruction. Allow it to instruct us, friends. Just give it a go and you will find that that's going to happen. And throughout the course of this year, we are going to help you to do that. And so we have got some little bookmarks on your screen here. And I might get the band to come back on stage and, and uh, we'll get ready to prepare. And so up on screen here, we have the 2023 Camden Picton Thoreau Liturgical Year. And so before all you Pentecostals break out in hives because I mentioned the word liturgy, I want to tell you what liturgy is. Because if you're like me, you may have been taught that liturgy is a bad thing. All the Anglicans and the Baptists and the Presbyterians, you've got no problems with this. It's us Pentecostals who are a bit thick, thick to figure this out. We were told that liturgy is bad. Because liturgy, they would say, and this is, I'm exaggerating for the sake of time, that liturgy is, is like dead religion. If you just have too much format, you don't leave room for the Holy Spirit to move. And therefore, you know, you do that, you're limiting God. I am totally in agreement with the fact that sometimes format and structure can get in the way of allowing God to move. But friends, the problem is not with liturgy. The problem is with our attitude towards liturgy. Because here's what I found. Pentecostals, who's... Who's pretty much spent most of their Christian life as a Pentecostal? Is there anyone? There's a few of you around. Well, we Pentecostals, we're just as liturgical as everybody else. We really are. We still do. Liturgy just means structure. That's all it means. Pastor Phil Pringle talks about the Holy Spirit being a river. But he says, a river only flows if it's got banks. Liturgy is banks. Liturgy creates structure so the Spirit can flow. If you, if you, we've seen the devastating effects of a river having no banks in Camden on multiple occasions in the last 18 months, right? That's what happens if you don't have liturgy. Liturgy is structure that will help us to allow the Spirit to flow in and through us. And so we'll talk more about that in the days ahead. But we have put together this calendar for this year, which over the course of roughly six weeks to two months at a time, we're going to cover these themes. And you'll see this beautiful coloured bookmark that Kim has put together, some beautiful design here. Um, you do need to have your glasses on to read it if you're 50 like me, but that's okay. This beautiful one, this gives us a, a, an overview of our various different themes and topics throughout the year. And during the course of this year, we're going to touch on each of these things. So we are starting today a series called called Devoted, based on Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 42, where it describes what the early church was. It was devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And we'll talk about those over the next four weeks. Look at what it means to be a devoted follower of Jesus. And then we'll be heading into Easter time. Can you believe it? We are two months from Easter. 
And so we will be heading into Easter and we will be looking at Jesus during the period of Lent. We'll talk more about that and, and Jesus. Then after Easter, as we head towards Pentecost Sunday, we'll have a theme around the Holy Spirit. And then we'll spend some time looking at uh, after the Holy Spirit at what it means to be part of God's church. And then we'll look at the Father and then we'll do some more mission-focused, kingdom life kind of focused stuff throughout the year. So that is our, our theme and uh, all of this information will be available on socials so you'll be able to keep up with it. Now, the other thing, this other little bookmark that Kim has so cleverly put together is, um, is something that you, where I'm inviting you to be a part of, especially if you're one of those people who just put, stood up earlier on and said, I want to get back into God's Word. What I have painstakingly and prayerfully done towards the end of last year is I went through the entire Bible and I did my own Bible reading plan for you based around these themes. And so this, throughout the course of this year, we will have 10 chapters of reading per week. 10 chapters per week. Five days a week, one Old Testament and one New Testament reading. A chapter a week. A chapter, uh, two chapters a day, 10 chapters a week. We are talking about probably half an hour's worth of reading. If you're like me and you do the Bible at double speed, it's even quicker. Okay, you can do it even quicker. I, I do the Bible every three months at double speed. Listen to it on audio. I don't read it. I'm not, I'm not a fast enough reader to read it. I study it by reading it, but I listen to it. But this, the idea of this is that if you follow this Bible reading plan that we will have throughout the year, not only will we all be on the same page in church and you'll have opportunity to have discussions in youth and, and, and when, when you're having a gathering, when you're just connecting over a coffee, whether you're talking to your spouse, wherever it might be, we'll all be on the same page. And I've written this uh, Bible reading plan in such a way that there are, uh, you will cut, every book in the Bible is covered in this Bible reading plan. And over the course of the year, if you do this, you'll probably cover about half the Bible in the course of the year. So good coverage. Every book of the Bible is covered, some books in entirety, some chapters here and chapters there. And the reason I did it this way is I had to look at some of the more traditional liturgical calendars. And while they have some merit, one of the things I was concerned about was oftentimes they pick a theme and then they, they just actually cherry pick two or three verses out of it. Nothing wrong with that, except that I'm on a mission to increase biblical literacy. That means I want you to read scripture in context. And so what I have done is during the course of, say, if you look at this one, this week, Word, we're talking about it today. So this actually started a week ago. So you're a week behind already, but that's okay. That's all right. You get the gist of it. Um, but say next Sunday, Jill will be sharing about being devoted to community. So you can get up tomorrow morning and go, where do I start? And you've got some scriptures. I've got no idea what they say. I cannot see that without glasses, but uh, I can just see roughly where it is. But you can see that there's two chapters that you can read tomorrow about community. Now, they won't all be about community, but during the course of the week, you will find within the context of those 10 chapters, some stuff that will fit with the theme for this week. So it's an opportunity to get into God's Word and read it and let it speak to you. And then what will happen is come Sunday, our services will not only be structured around that theme, but we will incorporate in, our preachers will be preaching from something within those 10 chapters that you have listened, you've read this week. So you'll be ready to receive if you read these chapters. When you go to gatherings, you'll be able to have an opportunity if you want to, to talk about those chapters and say, hey, what, what are you getting out of what you're reading if you'd like to do that? We're not mandating that, but there's an opportunity for you to do that there. Lots of chances for us to connect. We will be able to, um, you know, incorporate some of what we did on Christmas 
Eve, amazing job the creative team did. I'm looking forward to seeing more creativity in our services this year by being planned and structured and having some liturgical riverbanks that will create space for us to be able to, you know, you might be in, you might be an artist, a painter like like Shelley is. Shelley's not well today, that's why she's not here. You might be able to paint a picture that, since, that comes out of one of those chapters and then on a Sunday when it's time, you might be able to bring that painting and bring it to church and add it to the worship and contribute. So that's what we want to do. We want to get into God's Word together. So let's all, let's all stand. And I want to stress, I'm not, I'm not mandating this. This is not something you have to do to be a part of our church. Many of you have already got Bible reading plans. Some of you do Project 345, which gets you through the New Testament once a year. That's great. Some of you are behind a few days, like my wife's often. She says to me, I'm always behind. I, I, that's fine. You can be behind. It doesn't matter. I just want you in God's Word. So this isn't something you have to do. But every theme, every month or two, when we start a new theme, there'll be a new one of these cards come out with a new Bible reading plan. We'll also post each week's, uh, each week's scriptures. will go onto our social media. So you'll have them there. Scripture readings for this week are. So uh, we'll do it that way. So there'll be lots of chance for you to just get into these Bible reading plan. I'm excited about it, reading God's Word together, increasing our literacy, enjoying it. Is anyone else excited about that? You just sense something. Ali is, she's up the back. If there's something about that, if this is something you, you just sense, because this isn't just Rowan who came up with this idea. This is the Holy Spirit prompting us to go, come on, this is the season to get back in my Word. If that's you, whether you stood up earlier on or not, if you want to get into God's Word, and it may be that you're responding and saying, I'm going to start this, or it may be that you're saying, I'm going to restart my other version plan or whatever, I don't mind. Whatever it is, if that's you, I would love you just to respond right now to God's Word. If that's you, just raise your hand up as a way of saying, I'm in this, I'm ready for what God wants to do in and through me this year. Lord, I pray for every person here. There's, there's a holy moment here. Your Word is life to us, Lord. And I pray that it would just bring life to every person from tomorrow morning onwards. Bring that divine excitement, Lord, to know that they're not reading on their own, that they're reading in community, that other brothers and sisters are reading the same passages and meditating on the same passages. Lord, help us to all be in this together so that we can find life in Your Word that will sustain us and keep us. We thank You, Lord, that Your Word is life to us. And we pray in Jesus' Name that this year, when we look back at the end of this year, our level of literacy, passion for God's Word, application of God's Word will have just gone to a whole new level in our lives. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to close with a song. There's lots more. We'll tell you about things that are coming up over the next few weeks in amongst our themes, but that'll do for today. It's more than enough new stuff for today. God bless you. Thanks for being with us and have a wonderful week. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for listening to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Or visit our website at www.c3camden.church. You always will be.